Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to Unfollowing Mum, a podcast for cycle breakers by someone who has lived the experience. I'm your host, Harriet Shearsmith, and I feel like we are diving right in at the deep end today with episode two, because we are talking about gratitude, scapegoating, and why accountability seems to be so hard for so many parents who have put their kids in the position of choosing whether or not to live with toxic behavior and a lack of boundaries, or cut them off. Now I will say to you that this episode is coming to you courtesy of several buck wild boomer parents over on my TikTok because let me tell you we are going to dive into some comments that I have had left on my content recently and you can find my TikTok over at Toby and Rue. Uh, You can see them for yourself. I will not be naming names but let's just say buckle up biatches because the comments are jaw-dropping. Okay, so what kickstarted this was a TikTok that I created where I was talking about a theory I had as to why the person who breaks the cycle is almost always labelled, be it by the parent who they have cut ties with, or be it by the wider family, or even society themselves, as the bad guy, as the one who is the troublemaker, the problem causer, the root cause of all of these issues. And my theory was simply that people do not like to actually acknowledge what adult children who has who are speaking about breaking the cycle who are coming out and saying you know what these behaviors were toxic and I'm not prepared to stand for them anymore people do not like to hear that and to acknowledge and accept that because if they do and if we accept that what that person is saying could be true then perhaps we have to start looking inwardly at what cycles we have to break and what generational trauma we carry because we're all going to carry it society changes and the way in which we parent changes so we are all going to have ancestors whose parents hit them and that was considered perfectly normal we're all going to have ancestors whose parents will have parentified them and that was considered perfectly normal and all these things that we've had to unlearn as acceptable behaviors we are going to carry as a part of generational trauma 
trauma and we're slowly and steadily unlearning them even in the most healthy the most functional of relationships there is still going to be things that we'll need addressing from time to time and the difference between addressing it as a healthy dynamic and addressing it in an unhealthy dynamic is the lack of accountability. So for me, what I found interesting was that I started this particular TikTok talking about accountability, talking about scapegoating, and it came full circle round to gratitude with the comment I'm going to read you now. This person commented, or the child is projecting their own behaviour onto the parent scapegoating and I replied if your child has cut you off it's not because they're projecting it's because you failed to create a stable loving relationship that was your responsibility not theirs and that is our responsibility as parents we are responsible for creating a safe space for our children children can't do it children can't do it and when they become adults and they develop their own reasoning their own behavioral patterns they have learned those from us so it's our responsibility and our job to be the safe space for them to create a stable relationship where they feel they can come to us and say you know what I thought that was really unfair and I don't like the way you spoke to me there I'm going to set this boundary with you or they can say I, I can't come on the weekend, mum, because I have other plans and we're not going to throw a temper tantrum about it because we've set that, ba- we've allowed them to create and set that boundary. So, and I'm going to preface this by saying that this may come as a surprise to a few of you. It certainly caused a ruckus on my TikTok. But for a lot of you, I think you're just going to relate to it and be like, oh, you know, I I recognize that feeling. I recognize that sense of entitlement. The person replied, if you know, then go and thank them for everything they did for you. Did you change your own diapers? Gratitude fixes a lot of things. Now, I'm going to say I was not in the slightest shocked by the attitude that the basic need of a child, of a baby, of a toddler being met was something that this person felt warranted gratitude would be an excuse for further toxic behaviour because, hey, they fed you, they looked after you and therefore you owe them for that, okay? So I replied saying children do not owe parents for meeting basic needs. That is emotionally abusive behaviour. Your kids are not in debt to you for existing and I wanted to talk about this concept of gratitude for your parents and this concept of feeling owed for your child having had those basic needs met and also let's just point out having your nappy changed having food on the table those might be basic needs but they're not your only basic need having love having emotional closeness, having that connection with a parent, that's also a need. You ask any child psychologist or therapist and they will tell you that children need love and stability. And if those needs are not met, you're not even meeting the basics. What is there to be grateful for? Sometimes I struggle with this concept of gratitude and being grateful to parents. And I think, well, Uh, Do you know, I I didn't have it as bad as others. And I'm sure so many of you will find yourself in a similar position where you almost self-gaslight and sit there going, well, it wasn't that bad. It could have been worse. Yes, it could have been worse. But somebody summarized it really beautifully. They said, I get the sentiment, but a person who is starving to death is not better off with half a sandwich. You are still going to die. No thanks. And I just loved that comment because it was true. 
titbits and doing the basic things like changing nappies, that's not enough to warrant or to excuse poor behaviour. It's not enough to demand gratitude. And then let's look at the concept of demanding gratitude as it is. Gratitude is something that's meant to be freely given. It's not something that you are meant to demand or that you have a right to demand. It's not something that we as parents are automatically owed. And yes, I struggle with that concept sometimes. I think to myself, well, no, my children should be grateful that I'm doing things for them, surely. I mean, I work my backside off for them. I'm I'm constantly cooking. I'm, I'm doing this. I do everything that I can. for. Yes. And that's my role as a parent. That is my job to be there to support, to love them, to look after them, to help them grow into healthy, boundary setting, functional adults. That's what I signed up for as a parent. Do they owe me anything for that? No, they don't. And what was the most fascinating was seeing the difference and the disparity between people who I know I've spoken to before and people who follow my account and comment regularly, who I know have had traumatic experiences with parents or who have had toxic relationships, or those that just flat out off the bat acknowledge that they'd had toxic relationships with a parent or that they were estranged or had cut a parent off. The difference between their comments and their attitudes towards gratitude, towards a sense of owing a parent and towards a sense of holding a parent accountable was wildly different to people who were coming to comment who had great functional relationships with their parent who felt really grateful for all the wonderful things that their parent had done for them of course you're going to feel grateful to a parent if you've got a great relationship and you've been set up to be in a position where you feel like a functional healthy adult if you're in a position where you are struggling with something like CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, then no, you're not going to be so grateful for that, Sunny Jim. I also loved seeing the generational differences. When people were discussing this as part of an older generation, it was very much, and this is generational trauma in action, it was very much, oh, well, you know, know, we kind of owe, we do owe our parents. Like, I'm super grateful for the things that they do. And even myself, I will always say, I'm very grateful for the things that my mum did do right. And I am. My mum was a single mum. She was a single working mum. She worked hard. She worked long hours as a nurse. Uh, Was she also toxic? Yes. And the gratitude for the sacrifices that she made at times does not negate the need to hold her accountable or to protect myself from her toxic behavior. And I think that's something that we really miss because I can be grateful for the things that my mum did and I maintain this to my to this day that I can be grateful for the things that my mum did do right whilst also holding her accountable for the things that she didn't do right and holding her accountable for her inability to change, to acknowledge or accept or be accountable for the things that she got wrong. But do I owe that gratitude? That's a really different side of things. And no, I don't believe that we do owe that gratitude. I do believe we can freely give it. But rolling it back to that generational difference, it was really interesting to see people who were much younger, younger than me, who would be classed as Gen Zers, who would have been raised by my generation, saying, why would you Why would you owe a parent for doing basic things? Of course, I mean, I'm grateful to my mum and dad for looking after me, for loving me, but why would I owe them anything? Like, I'm not in debt to my parents. That's so weird that you would even think that. And that comes from our generation, millennials and Gen Xers, saying, 
actually that generational trauma, that cycle of expecting the parent to be owed, to be almost worshipped, no, that's going to stop with us because it didn't make us feel good. It doesn't make your child feel good to be told the roof I put over your head, the food I put on the table, you owe me for all of that. You have to be grateful to me for all of that because actually, no, it doesn't create a healthy dynamic to be told you are owed for these basic, basic things. And I have to say, I felt super proud seeing so many people who were younger, who were of that younger generation where my peers would have raised them, saying things, whether they had this wonderful relationship with their parents or whether they had toxic relationships with their parents, saying, well, gratitude is great and I am grateful. However, I'm not in debt the expectation of gratitude from my mum is never there. She'd be mortified if she thought that I thought that she was owed this big thank you for doing the basic things. And if that's how you feel, then you definitely shouldn't have kids. And someone raised a really interesting point on this particular thread that they felt a lot of the older generation probably didn't want kids but felt that that was something that they had to do. And what you've got then is a generation that thinks that they are owed for making that sacrifice, if you like. And and having children, it's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice unless it's something that you are told by society that you have to do. And we see it a lot when people who actively choose not to have children. And a lot of my peers in this realm of estrangement in this realm of talking about toxic parents will say I'm not going to have kids myself because too much damage has been done I don't want to go down that route or I'm not going to have kids myself because I had to parent my bloody mother and I don't want to have to parent anyone else I'd like my years back thanks very much but what we find is for the older generation it was almost unheard of unless you were unable to have children you would have children the whole child or a jet ski argument was moot you would just have children that was the status quo get married have children buy a house for like three grand and you're dapper and that's not the reality in a modern society and I think a lot of the older generation feel very much that they are owed for making that sacrifice and having those children that they perhaps did not want to have that they perhaps did not intend to have but would argue no I wanted to have children of course I did but actually in reality did they Because if you feel that your children owe you a debt, if you feel that you made sacrifices to have those children, if you feel that you gave up the things that you really wanted in order for your children to be here, then I would argue you didn't really want those children that much. Another example of this was another person that commented, you should be grateful you had parents who loved you and cared for you. Basic needs to many are a luxury. It baffles me that anybody actually thinks this way and let's be completely frank about this, this comment was receiving replies for days and understandably so, lots of people were really incensed because what you're talking about here is the difference not just from a moral perspective but also from a legal perspective between abusing a child and not abusing a child and what you're saying is If your basic needs have been met, well, you should be grateful for that. But would we say to a spouse, okay, yeah, but you weren't beaten. 
so you should just be grateful because that's not where we set the bar and that's not where we should be setting the bar with parenthood oh well you know you changed nappies and you fed them that's your basic needs met so you should be grateful for that no we have to want and expect better for our children and it will forever baffle me that people seem to think that it is some kind of mother Teresa shit if you are providing the very, very bare minimum as a parent, because if we flip it and we looked at a spouse relationship or we looked at any other kind of relationship that you can choose that is within your control, because let's not forget, we're talking about children and family ties, blood ties here. You don't choose them. But if we flip it and look at any other kind of relationship where you are in the driver's seat, you are in control, and somebody turned to you and said, well you weren't beaten or well he or she didn't get drunk every Friday night and batter you you've never been raped you should just be grateful people would be like what that's not that's not that what people would be completely aghast and yet when we talk about abuse versus not abuse in a parent-child dynamic there seems to be a consensus that we should simply be grateful that we were not abused and that is not going to fly Okay, so coming away from gratitude, let's look at scapegoating. Now, this was on the same thread, on the same discussion as what we've already discussed on TikTok, where this comment was left, and I thought it was really interesting. I am going to preface this by saying I am sure those of you who have lived with toxic or emotionally immature or narcissistic parents will absolutely recognise what I am about to say and the flip switch between the way this person originally commented and the way they followed up. Okay, so the original comment, which was on this TikTok thread, said, or maybe the child is toxic. I have five other kids who are fine. My oldest is narcissistic and has unhealthy relationships. They've always been a liar and a manipulator. Okay, now I've read that out. Before we dissect it, do you want to take a pause and go and get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or just have a bit of a break? Because I know that so many of you hearing that will recognise it, will recognise being the member of the family that's being scapegoated, and we're going to dive into that, and being the one who's told they're toxic, who's told they're a narcissist, who's told as a child that you're a liar, that you're a manipulator. And I know from my own experiences how utterly devastating that can feel. So before we dive into it, it's a chance to pause, have a bit of reflection time and just have a breather. Ready? Okay. Okay, coming in hot with what the fuck, I think that would be a reasonable response to that. To refer to a child as a liar or a manipulator, bearing in mind that they said always been a liar and manipulator, and to talk about them being a narcissist and having unhealthy relationships, my response to her was, who raised that child? Who had the opportunity to create a safe space to help that child develop as a functioning adult? Now, there is absolutely no denying that we are all born differently, that we all have different thought processes and we all react to things differently. However, as parents, it's our responsibility to help a child grow into a functioning adult and to navigate those experiences, to navigate their hormones, to navigate any mental health difficulties that they might come up against, not to refer to them as children, as liars and manipulators. And that's so concerning. 
It is classical scapegoating. It is, you are the root of all of the problems within this family. And the fact that she uses, I had five other kids who are fine, is almost always used in a scapegoat dynamic where they have siblings to back up what I've said. It's a case of, you're the problem. You're the only problem. Everyone else thinks that this family is perfectly healthy. It's you. It's incredibly common in toxic families where there are siblings and one child has been made into the scapegoat, is referred to as the liar, the manipulator, the narcissist, the toxic one, the unhealthy one with bad choices and bad relationships. And the other children are turned into somewhat golden children as long as they toe the line. And then those children are pitted against one another, which is called triangulation. It's so common. And you could tell instantly from this woman's comment that that's how she felt about this child, that this child or now adult who is her adult child was the root cause of all of the problems, was the one that had always been blamed. To refer to somebody as always a liar and manipulator, even in childhood, is just baffling and yet painfully common. In fact, I'm willing to wager that if you've had an experience with a narcissistic or toxic parent, that you can imagine them writing that about you if you've called them out. It's incredibly common for cycle breakers and those who speak out against the family dynamic and who point out things that are not how they should be to be lumped into the scapegoat role and it's easy to do it because you know change is threatening it's difficult it's not our natural habitat as humans though we do adapt we don't seem to particularly like to and if this is the way that things have always been if this is the behavior that's always been tolerated within your family dynamic to suddenly have a sibling another family member whatever it might be speaking out against that and saying hey you know what guys the call is coming from inside the house this is not cool this is not normal well then that person is much easier to believe as the problem to see as the problem than it is to address the family dynamic as a whole and to ask why are we enabling and supporting this behavior and tolerating it now what I'm sure will surprise absolutely nobody who heard that comment that I read out and related to it and said oh my goodness yeah I can hear my mum dad family member whatever saying something so similar I have heard this song before and I'm not a fan is the way in which this woman went from woe is me my child is a narcissist they've always been a liar and a manipulator even as a child oh I'm so sad to pure anger it was like how dare you how dare you challenge me she started calling me narcissistic she started ranting about how I was misknow-it-all ignorant needed to look up things She didn't know if I was a therapist, she didn't know if I had a degree, she didn't know anything about me. But because I dared to suggest an alternative reasoning for her child's behaviour, rather than be accountable, it's that determination to avoid accountability at any cost. And the saddest thing is that when we look at these relationships, more often than not, there is a determination so strong to avoid accountability for any wrongdoing or for any behaviour that has been less than ideal and to make those changes it's often preferable to lose the relationship with an adult child and be able to continue to say they cut me off I don't know why I have no understanding whatsoever despite being told on countless occasions why despite creating a scapegoat role for them and being told not only by other family members I'm sure and by the child in question that this is the behavior that is unacceptable 
But the determination to avoid accountability for that is so strong that they would rather lose the relationship with a child than make changes and attempt to make amends. One last thing that I want to touch upon with this comment is where she's mentioned five other children are perfectly fine because this was something that she she did throw back at me again. She'd written, I just said to you, my five other children are perfectly happy. Don't you read? (laughs) And yes, I did read that. But what I think is really worth noting and really interesting, and I'm going to tell you a personal story here, is that every single child will grow up differently. No two children have the same childhood and have the same parental experience. And you might be thinking, that's a load of rubbish. You might have the same house, you might have the same school, you might have the exact same parents who are together. Again, even in healthy dynamics, no two children have the same childhood and the same parental experience. Because when we're raising children, we're all at different stages. I know myself, when my son was born, my eldest, I was a very different mother to him, to the mother that I am to my daughter. And there's nothing wrong with that, nothing inherently wrong. Even in healthy dynamics, we know that siblings will not have the same relationship with a parent. So when we say well, I have other children that I get along with. And we use that as a cop-out to avoid accountability for the mistakes that have been made or for the actions that we have taken that have caused harm. Then what we're assuming is that just because those other children are fine and they were raised by you, they got the same version of you. But nobody ever gets the same version of anybody. Now, this is where I want to tell you my personal experience of this and how I can say with confidence that we never get the same parents as our siblings or the same people as other people. I would very much consider myself an only child as I said last week. However I did also mention last week that shortly before he died my dad and his wife adopted two children who I've never met and I don't consider them any less siblings because they were adopted. I've just never met them and up until the beginning of January I didn't even know if they knew I existed. However, at the beginning of January, one of them, who is now in her early 20s, got in touch with me to essentially tell me she was so angry that I was speaking about her parents in a deforming way online, talking negatively about her dad and her mum. And I was completely a hypocrite because if I talk about protecting my peace how dare I slate these people online especially when the things that I say are not necessarily true that I only have one side of the story and what I put out there is absolute bullshit I don't know her mum or her dad She went on to say, my dad was far from narcissistic. He was the kindest soul. Every person I have met who knew my dad has said nothing but amazing things and constantly talk about what a wonderful, cool person he was. Now, obviously, from my point of view, this came as one hell of a shock. As I say, I didn't even know that these people knew I existed. Why would I? I've never met them. I've never spoken to them. But... I did take a step back after I had a panic attack and think about how I would feel in her shoes. And I kind of get it. 
you know if I put myself in her shoes she's been adopted by these two people who have rescued her essentially for all intents and purposes from an incredibly toxic household where according to her messages she was suffering quite bad abuse both physical and emotional and a lot of neglect and these people rescue you and then you get a few wonderful years of being raised by this man who treats you exactly as a parent should treat you who shows you love who shows you warmth and then passes away and along comes this person that you've never met on the internet talking about her experience of him which is at a complete juxtaposition with your own you're going to feel really put out and I think this is what we see in sibling dynamics so often is that you have one experience which is completely valid and your sibling has another experience which is completely valid and neither of them invalidate the other but they can be polar opposites now the messages went back and forth and there was an awful lot more said than that but I wanted to focus particularly in this episode on the different experiences that we were talking about my memories of my dad uh, that I shared with her that I know for a fact are not coloured by my mum because I remember them I am a lot older than her were him throwing my mum to the ground in front of me when I was maybe three or four during their separation of him grabbing me by the arm dragging me through to the kitchen and throwing me in front of my mum saying take this fucking child for a walk she's doing my head in of him not turning up to parties planning visitations and then just not showing up saying he would come to school plays on the phone to me and then just not turning up and I remember a dad who slammed the phone down on me when I told him that I liked my mum's boyfriend and didn't call me for three weeks they are my lasting memories of this man. Now, by contrast, her lasting memories of this man are filled with love and joy and good times. And that is wonderful. And I would never seek to invalidate that. But two truths can coexist. My experience for 16 years with this person was incredibly negative. Her experience for three years with this person was incredibly positive. They are not the same. Obviously, as is standard when you are trying to explain to somebody that your experience of a person is abusive, she pretty much flat out refused to accept it and was very much keen to say, yeah, well, that's not true. Your mum has coloured this and some of which will be true. There was a lot of parental alienation from my mum, but the unwillingness to accept that whilst I can say my experience does not invalidate yours, the unwillingness to accept that I could have that experience of a man that she idolised was really telling. Reflecting back on these messages, she wasn't being cruel, she wasn't being unkind, she came in pretty hot, she was angry, but I'll be honest, I don't blame her for that at all. Because 10 years ago, if I'd have heard someone badmouthing my mum, who I was incredibly enmeshed with, indeed, when her mum did badmouth my mum, I would be vehemently defensive of her because, of course, I would be. And I think what's really important to acknowledge here is that her refusal to accept that what I was saying might have been my lived experience, might have been a reality that her dad was not a good father to me is a way of us defending ourselves it's a defense mechanism because ultimately in order to accept that this person might not have been everything that you remember them to be you have to really question everything that you know about them and that's not something that anybody wants to do especially if that person is no longer there to ask I mean 
In my experience, I have spent countless hours questioning what was and what was not reality when I was growing up, what was and was not my actual experience, especially of my father, knowing what I know now of my mum, knowing that I know now the things that she would do was alienation. But I know enough and I remember enough of all three of the adults that were responsible for my emotional well-being as a child and were responsible for raising me to know that every single one of them had massive, massive failures and that not one of them ever wanted to be accountable. And that draws me to the last part of this podcast episode. Why does it seem so damn hard for parents to be accountable for their actions and their mistakes? This is something that has always absolutely baffled me. And I don't know if it's because I have done therapy or because I grew up with a toxic parent or parents and I am so keen to ensure that if I make mistakes, which I do often, because let's be frank about this, this is our first go around this world. And this is our first experience of being a parent to that child. So we're always going to make mistakes. But I know when I fuck up, and I know that I need to apologize and hold myself accountable for it. And what I find really interesting, especially in toxic family dynamics, is the lack of accountability. Because I also know most adult children who reflect upon their experiences with a toxic parent will also say, yeah, well, I wasn't perfect. Well, I did this wrong. And they will look and examine to the point of pain. I know I have what they did wrong. I know in my situation, there was reactive abuse towards my mother. I would snap at her. I wouldn't be kind to her. I wouldn't be the best version of myself because I was constantly on defense, constantly on edge. I've had to hold myself accountable for those things. And yes, as I've said to my therapist on many occasions, and as she's reminded me, you've got to forgive yourself for these things. But equally, I have to look at that behavior and say, okay, in which way did that damage our relationship? The same with looking at my relationship with my stepmother. I, as I said earlier, had a really toxic relationship with her, but I know that I made things incredibly difficult to her. And one of the things that their daughter had mentioned in her messages to me was how her mother had expressed to her, or rather, she said, my mum tried really hard with you. And she wasn't born at the time, so it is what her mum has expressed to her. But obviously her mum, my stepmum, feels very much that she did try really hard with me. And she'd also gone on to say that she tried really hard with my mum to make things civil for me. Now, what I will say is I remember enough of the relationship and the behaviours of all three of them to know that that is both lie and truth. But looking exclusively at the truth there, I do think that my stepmom really tried with me in the beginning. But as uh, as is common with young children who see you, the other woman, as it were, as the root cause of all the problems you're going to be angry with them, you're going to lash out at them. And this person is a psychologist, they're well aware that that is normal for young children. So whilst I can look at my own behaviour and say, yeah, damn, I made it really hard to be even vaguely likeable as a four or five year old child, I was still a four or five year old child. And I was also a four or five year old child who had a mum who was you know, creating nicknames for this woman and encouraging that real level of hatred and feeding it. But as I got older and came into my teen years, 
I remember being really cutting to this woman. I remember flatly refusing at all that she could be in any way, shape or form anything other than the villain in this scenario. And that must have been really difficult for her. I can both acknowledge that and hold myself accountable for that, while still being really aware that I was a child and a damaged child at that. My dad passed away when I was 16 and my last experience up until 2021 of my stepmother was her telling me, you didn't want to know him in life, so why would you be interested now he's dead? You're not welcome, don't ever ring here again. On the day that I found out that he died, that was the woman that I remembered. Had I played a part? in creating her animosity towards me a hundred percent was it acceptable to behave that way towards a 16 year old child no again the question becomes why is it so hard to reflect upon your own behaviors and hold yourself accountable for them i think the only conclusion that we can come to there is that because if we hold ourselves accountable if we say you know i played a part in this and I have to accept that my behaviour here has not been acceptable and perhaps that's why my adult child has cut me off. Perhaps that's why I have a damaged relationship with my adult child or with my child in general. Then we have to look at how we can change and adapt those behaviours. We have to look at how we can make amends for those behaviours. And I firmly believe that it has to be a two-way street. If my stepmother were in front of me now, or indeed if she's listening, then I would be more than happy to say, I am sorry for how difficult I made it for you to reach me. And I am sorry for the way in which I damaged our relationship as well. And I've spoken to my therapist at length about this because those behaviours were born out of a need to protect myself. I was living with a covert narcissist parent who, if I did acknowledge the good times that I had with either my dad or with my stepmom, especially with my stepmom, then I would be punished for that. And that is not something that any child subconsciously is going to put themselves in the position to withstand. But the problem is, as exactly the same with my mother, because I've had these conversations with her where I've said, yeah, I'm really sorry for the way that I behaved there. I understand that that wasn't acceptable, that the way that I spoke to you there was not kind. I wasn't being how I should be or the kind of person that I want to be. And I apologize for that. That would be the end of it that would be where the book stopped because the lack of accountability on the other side, and this is where relationships break down, is always going to be present. The thing is, if we as parents are not going to hold ourselves accountable and we're not going to put in the work to make the changes that we need to make to our behaviour and make amends for the damage that we have done, then when our children become adults, they will hold us accountable and that is when we see estrangement. Sometimes accountability will not lead to forgiveness or to a repairing of the relationship and that is also okay. We don't owe anybody a second chance. We don't owe anybody the opportunity to harm us again. If we've cut off a toxic parent and then they have gone away, reflected, come back to us, apologised, tried to make amends and started to slip back into toxic behaviours one time too many, then why should we put ourselves in a position where we're going to allow the cycle to continue? Sometimes working on yourself and accepting that, okay, I've apologised, I'm now doing the work to make myself a better person, I'm holding myself accountable for my actions, has to be enough without the expectation of any kind of reparation. Because is it really true accountability if it's only done with an expected outcome? 
I spoke to a really lovely lady on TikTok who'd said, yeah, my adult son's cut me off because my behaviour was learned behaviour from my mother and from her mother and so on. It was generational trauma and I have put myself through therapy. I do not expect him to give me a chance. I have expressed to him in a letter that I am deeply sorry for my behaviours and I hope that he will recognise and know that I truly, truly mean that, that I truly, truly am sorry for the damage that I caused to our relationship because I know that I caused it and I expect nothing from him. It was hard hearing her story and speaking to her because she very clearly meant it. She'd put the work in. She was talking about all of the things that she had done. And most of us who are estranged, that's all we ever asked of our parent was to be accountable to make the changes in their behavior to meet us halfway and it was never forthcoming however I had massive respect for her for acknowledging that her son did not owe her forgiveness that her son did not owe her a rebuilding of their relationship even if she'd done everything that she could to repair herself to make amends and all of the rest of it it was not owed as a second chance there was no obligation to give her that second chance he could forgive her from a distance or choose not to forgive her and continue to heal himself and the fact that she could accept that spoke volumes to me so it does happen there are people out there who realize the error of their ways or realize that their behavior has been less than acceptable sometimes too late but they get themselves into therapy and they work on themselves and they hold themselves to account and that for me is the biggest step in a journey in breaking generational trauma accountability is key and that's where we're going to leave it for today's episode guys thank you so much for listening i've been harriet shearsmith and together we are unfollowing mum hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm